Well, I loved listening to Mandy read. It could have gone on to the fourth chapter. Of course, there's a first chapter too. God is writing a story. <clears throat> it's his story. When I was at school in a long time ago, in primary school, I remember an old teacher there um, who used to talk about history as being his story, God's story. And that's exactly right. <clears throat> We've uh, been looking at the, the book of Ruth, I almost said the gospel of, of Ruth. <laughs> the, Ruth is a little bit like a gospel in the Old Testament actually. But um, it's a lovely story in its own right. It's a beautiful story about um, uh, romance and tragedy. <laughs> uh, there's even a wedding in there. My wife always likes weddings in stories. Um, but what I want us to do this morning is not only look at Ruth's story, but I want us to think a little bit broader. You see, this is one book in the scriptures. And whilst it is a story about a woman called Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi, and the man she was to marry, eventually Boaz, uh, and in chapter 1, uh, we learnt that it was in the context of the book of Judges uh, when Israel was having its ups and downs, every man doing that which was right in his own eyes, uh, not really seeking after God on a consistent basis. <clears throat> but in all of that, we see that this is a story that God is writing. Um, there was a... a a Bible scholar of the last century, is actually the last millennium, <laughs> called uh, W. Graham Scroggy. And he, he, he wrote a book about the Bible. He kind of tried to give an overview of the Bible. And he gave it a title. And he gave the title to that, the Bible as a whole, as the unfolding drama of redemption. That's the story of God in the Bible. It's a drama... It's a story, some would say it's like a painting <laughs> by the great artist, but it's a story that God is writing. But it's more than that, it's a story in which we participate. And so this morning I want to look a little bit at this story here. We can't go into all of the details. It's a lovely narrative. We, we want to look at it as a story, but in the backs of our minds we want to think about the author as well, who's writing the story. <laughs> but we also want to remember that God is writing our story. We have a book of <laughs> Penny over there. <laughs> we have a book of Stephen over here <laughs> and a book of Diane. We have a book of Peter and we have a book of my wife, Alison. <laughs> and Enoch, and Bruce, and others here. God is writing a book. He's writing a book about you. You're part of God's story. And we have an opportunity to participate in that story. And we're going to see how Ruth participated in his story. She didn't know what the outcome was. <clears throat> Not really. I mean, for her, there was a beautiful outcome. 
from tragedy to joy. But not every story in this life ends that way. We know that. But the big story, God's unfolding drama of redemption does end that way. It ends in joy. It ends in hope. It ends in eternal hope. Because this story is a story also of redemption. How God has taken a fallen and failing and sick people like ourselves and painted us into a story (laughs) and by the cross has transformed a story that would have been a tragedy for eternity. He's transformed it into something that is wonderful full of hope, full of joy. He's transformed it into a story that ultimately, through Jesus Christ, through the Messiah, of whom Ruth was an ancestor, through that person, he's painted a story that's going to end in eternity, in heaven, in glory. No pain, no suffering, no tragedy, no loss. No depression, no discouragement, no sickness, none of these. (laughs) God's writing that story. So let's have a look at this story of Ruth with that in mind. We start in chapter 2. We finished uh, in chapter 1 when Luke led us through how Naomi insistent, faithful Naomi, Ruth, insistent, faithful Ruth, that she was going to follow Naomi, that she was going to leave her home, everything that was familiar to her, and she was going to faithfully cling to Naomi, but not only that, to her God, Naomi's God, who was, at some stage in that period, in chapter one, Ruth must have come to recognise and to know that there was a God in heaven and she was prepared to leave behind what was her past and to cleave to Naomi but more importantly to cleave to that God who is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so in chapter 2, Naomi, it says, had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech whose name was Boaz. We get introduced to this man, Boaz, because he plays an important part in the story. Um, The name, I believe, means strength. Interesting contrast, because Ruth's first husband, the name meant weakness. I don't know what you make of that. Some people make a lot of that, but nevertheless, his name was Boaz. And Ruth, it's interesting how she's referred to here, isn't it? Ruth the Moabite. She's referred to as Ruth the Moabite quite a few times. It's almost like, you know, (laughs) the writer's rubbing it in. Not really, but you see, this was not a title that you would use uh, uh, to honour someone. (laughs) The Moabites were excluded from God's purposes, or so the people of Israel thought. The Moabites were the outcast. The Moabites were the ones that had no 
path into the kingdom of God. Well, so they thought. So Israel thought. But God keeps reminding us here that it was Ruth the Moabite. It was Ruth the Moabite. It was Ruth the Moabite of whom this story is told. Greater than this, it was Ruth the Moabite that ultimately bore Obed, who bore Jesse, who bore David the king, in whose line we have Christ our Saviour, Ruth the Moabite. It says, see, God can... I don't know how you feel about yourself, but if you're anything like me, you quite naturally often feel... You've failed. You don't count for anything. Your story doesn't matter. (laughs) The book of you doesn't matter. And Ruth could well have felt that way. (laughs) Because she was not just Ruth, she was Ruth the Moabite. Although she was Ruth who was compassionate and Ruth the friend... She was Ruth the Moabite. Isn't it wonderful the way that God takes a past that is not to be counted much of and transforms it into something beautiful? He did it with Abraham, who left Ur and came to the promised land and made of him the father of a multitude. He does it with Ruth. He does it over and over again in the scriptures. As soon as you think of the book of Ruth, you think of all the other stories that God is writing. The book of Esther has got similarities. We're a nobody. And God uses the nobody to accomplish his purposes, to write his story. And he's writing his story with Ruth. And look at this young lady. She says to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain. And uh, Naomi says, um, go my daughter. And so she went to glean. So they, they were poor. Um, Ruth was uh, concerned and Naomi about what they might eat. And God had made a provision for those um, that didn't have sufficient. They didn't have the hands and feet. Wait a minute, is that what it was called, Luke? Hands and feet? Right. But God had made a provision so that in the reaping time, um, those that were poor were permitted to follow after those that were doing the reaping and pick up what was dropped. And God had made provision for those to feed the hungry. They also were not to reap the corners of the fields. This was all established in God's law. You see, God's law is good. God's law is not there to restrict us, to make us miserable. It's there for our good. And so he had made provision and Ruth takes an initiative. She could have sat back moping about the fact that they don't have food and bread. But she says, let me go to the field. And so she does. And 
and, and listen to the way this story unfolds. It tells us <coughs> that she happened to come upon to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. <laughs> wow, isn't that interesting? It doesn't actually say God directed her or led her. I think there's only a couple of times in the book of Ruth, I'm told, where God is used as the subject of doing something. But all the time he's doing something. See, Ruth just happened to go to that field. Happened to be the field of Boaz. These days we call that a coincidence. When I was young, it was, uh, it was actually a reality once, I was young. When I was young, often we used to talk about the providence of God. God's providence. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't a coincidence. All the time, when Ruth was happening to go to this field, God was at work. And he is so today. You happen to be here at church. Well, I know I came to church because I planned to be at church. Maybe you didn't plan to be at church. <laughs> Maybe mum or dad pulled you along. You happen to be here this morning. You happen to be listening to this story about Ruth. Well, that's true. You happen to be. But God is at work. He always is. He was at work with Ruth. And even though she happened to come to the field, it was God at work. You know, in the book of Esther, the name God's not mentioned once. <laughs> it all happened to be. Esther happened to be so beautiful. Esther happened to be chosen to become the queen. Esther happened to be in such a place for such a time as this. She happened to be, but all the time God was at work. And so she goes to the field, Boaz notices her. Um, you know, you might say maybe, you know, maybe you thought she, she was uh, an attractive woman. <laughs> but you know, what was it that really attracted Boaz to this young lady? We read on a number of things. He, he, he actually says, um, when the reapers tell him who that lady is, he says in, um, in uh, beginning of verse 8 that he says, you listen my daughter, don't glean in another field, you stay here in my field, that will be good for you. And, and Ruth says, why have I found favour in your eyes? And Boaz says to her in verse 11, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me and how you left your father and mother and your native land and you came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. There was an attractiveness about this woman. It wasn't outward adorning. <laughs> the attractiveness about this woman was her faithfulness, her commitment. 
her love. I think, I'm told, that the name has a meaning of compassion or friendship. I think there's some debate about that. Be that as it may, here is a woman who was a friend of Naomi and she loved her. And she looked not only on her own things, but she looked on the things of others, as it tells us in Philippians chapter 2. She said to Naomi, let me go out and I'll glean. And as we see through the story, it wasn't about just gathering food for herself. It was about gathering food for Naomi too. She was concerned for her mother-in-law. And Boaz had heard. Others had heard something about the sacrifice obviously, that she'd made in coming to this land. Obviously the story had gotten out. And Boaz had knew, known about it. And so Boaz... Well, I'd have to say when I read it, he's attracted to her. <laughs> this is a romance story, right? And, and so he, he tells her, he blesses her, and so she continues to, um, to be looked after and to work. It's interesting, not only is Ruth faithful and loving, <laughs> she's a friend. She's a real hard worker. It tells us from early morning in verse 7 until now, except for a short rest, she's been working. And she didn't stop at lunch. She didn't stop to have lunch. But it says in verse 17, she gleaned in the field until evening. That's some woman, <laughs> And then she beat out what she had and um, she had enough to feed the family. And this was going to go on through the harvest time. And we see that when we come to verse 20. He, he tells Naomi, uh, Naomi says, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. I think it's, it could be that Boaz hasn't forsaken the living or the dead, but it can be that God hasn't. I think it's God. God hasn't forsaken the living or the dead. Na Naomi, well, this has been a struggle for that woman who's lost her two sons. Who's lost everything, really. She has Ruth. And... God hasn't forsaken her. Even though she saw herself now as experiencing bitterness, she says, don't call me Naomi in chapter 1, which means pleasant or sweet. Call me Mara, which is bitter, like Mary, who suffered the bitterness of seeing her son crucified on our behalf. Call me Mara. And here, over time, God doesn't forsake Naomi. It's hard for her. It's a struggle for her. It's a struggle for Ruth. They're poor. And they've lost so much. And yet, here's a glimpse of light. And Naomi here is very, a big contrast to chapter 1 
and verse 21, I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. You know, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. It's bitter. Here, something is happening. He says, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. And Naomi recognised that this man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. So Naomi now has a hope. We, we can lose a lot of things in life. We can face a lot of tragedy. And many here have, I'm sure. Whether it's loss of loved ones, whether it's sickness, whether it's financial struggle, whatever it is. And yet to lose hope is perhaps the, the worst the most debilitating thing that can happen to a person. We're described before we encounter Christ in the New Testament as those without God and having no hope in the world. That, that's a testimony that is a tragedy indeed. See, the contrast is that Christ, when we come to him by faith, the contrast is that he becomes our eternal hope. <laughs> we have a hope not just here today, but we have a hope in eternity. That's one thing that keeps us going. <laughs> and Naomi had now, here was a tinge of hope. What does it mean that he's one of our redeemers? Well, and many of you already know this, but uh, just as God had established rules about feeding the poor, he also had established rules about uh, and law about um, when a man died, about someone in the family, his brother initially, was to marry the widow. And that was to not only to look after the woman, but to maintain the integrity of God's inheritance. And it was God's way of ensuring uh, that um, his purposes were fulfilled. Because when he gave the land to Israel, they didn't actually own the land, it was God's land. <laughs> And he had given it to certain tribes and they didn't have the, um, the jurisdiction to just do whatever they wanted with it. It had to be kept within the tribe to which God had given it. And so part of the means for that to happen is when the husband died, the, the, um, uh, the brother would marry the widow and then their seed, their children would continue to be stewards of the land. They would have the land. You see, this was why Naomi uh, was telling Ruth to, to go back home in chapter 1 because she, she didn't have any other <laughs> brothers to Marlon or Chilion. 
There was nobody else that could take the role of marrying Ruth and looking after her and continuing that family. It seemed a loss. But here we find out that Boaz is um, a relative who has that right to redeem the situation. That's why it's called a redeemer. And, and this would have been going through Naomi's mind, of course. Naomi's thinking, well, Boaz could be the one. Boaz could rescue us out of all of this. Plus, he was pretty wealthy too. <laughs> so, this book is a book about redemption. Redemption is about buying someone out of place of slavery or loss. That's what Jesus Christ has done. We refer to him as our redeemer. Why do we do that? We do that because we needed to be redeemed. We needed to be bought out of a state of slavery. A state of slavery to sin, to death, to the devil, to our own selves. We had to be redeemed out of a place of debt, of great debt to God, because we've all sinned and fallen short. The way Luke described it last week when he was talking about judges is that everyone did that which was right in his own eyes, and that is right. We still do so. All we like sheep have gone astray. What does it say? We have turned everyone to his own way. That's the testimony for us all. And so the reason the redemption is necessary is because we're in debt. We're in debt over our heads. We're in so much debt that we cannot pay the price. Isn't it wonderful that Christ paid that debt on the tree, on the cross? That is our hope. Naomi had a bit of a tinge of hope here. We have a wonderful hope that our debt, just the same as Naomi was indebted, if you like, <laughs> she was bound in the poverty and in the hopelessness we're in, a, in, in the same debt. In fact, she was in the same debt of sin as well. But we're in such a debt, a greater debt than that. You can't pay it. You may feel you can at times. I felt at times that I was okay. <laughs> I can manage my own life. But we're not. We're not. God is good to us in that he allows us sometimes to experience the, the tragedy and the sorrow and the suffering so that our eyes might be opened. So that we could see the reality of the debt that we're in. So that we see the reality of our mortality. That we see the reality 
that by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men. Everyone here. For all have sinned. Do you need a redeemer? Do I need a redeemer? <laughs> Absolutely we need a redeemer. We need a redeemer if we're going to have any hope at all. And here Naomi has just a glimpse. And when we go on to chapter 3, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I, need, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? And she's thinking about, well, the rest Shouldn't I seek a home for you? I mean, Naomi's not going to be around the whole time. She has a love and a concern for Ruth. She wants to see this matter resolved. Boaz is a redeemer. He has the right of redemption under the law. Well, there's a little catch, we'll see. And so she wants Ruth to take this initiative. Um, and she tells her an uh, unusual story to wash and anoint yourself, put on your cloak, go down to the threshing floor, um, and um, Boaz is going to be there. Oh, this is like a mother-in-law orchestrating an uh, alliance, isn't it? It is, you see, it's just, it's the same as at the beginning of chapter 2. She happened to come to the field. All right, you might say Naomi's taking some initiative here. doesn't say there was anything bad about her initiative. Remember that God is at work underneath all of this. It's, to me, it's a wonderful comfort. He wants us to take initiative. Look, I, I'm absolutely thrilled when I um, see Kylie get up here with an enthusiasm about what Encounter are doing. That's great. God wants us to take initiative to step out. What if I get it wrong? Well, I get it wrong plenty of times. But God is still writing the story. It's a mystery, but he's still writing the story. And we participate in that story. I'm going to talk a little bit shortly about how we participate in that story. But we participate in that story and God is still going to work out his purposes as he did with Ruth. And even though it was Naomi taking the steps and the initiative to say, Ruth, you need to get out there. <clears throat> God is at work. Remarkably, even when evil is meant, like with Joseph, remember Joseph's brothers wanted to fix him, <laughs> wanted to kill him. And at the end of Genesis, it says, and you, although you meant it evil for me, God meant it for good. How's that? God's going to write the story and it's going to end the way that he writes it. And he's going to do it with you or without you. You can participate in the story. But it's his story. And he's got in mind here 
not just Boaz and Ruth and the Redeemer. He's got in mind the ultimate Redeemer that's going to come through their child Obed and Jesse and David right through to Christ, our eternal hope. And so Ruth says, all that you say I will do. She goes to the threshing floor after Boaz had eaten and drunk. It says, and his heart was merry. He lied down. He rested. She uncovered his feet and laid down that night. Maybe this was a custom. It's, it, it, we don't know. It's not mentioned anywhere else. Uh, I'm not a scholar enough to explain exactly what this means. Maybe... Next week, Tim Patrick will be able to give some degree of explanation about this. She followed um, uh, Naomi's direction um, uh, and uh, Ruth lay down at his feet and in the night, um, Boaz was startled and he sees that young woman at his feet. There was nothing untoward here, by the way. It's very clear that there was nothing untoward here. Um, and, and so um, she confronts him, really, with his responsibility as a redeemer. Because not only did God make provision when a widow was left, not only did he make provision for the brother or a close relative to take the role of that dead man but he was uh, had an obligation to do so and, and so uh, she lays down and she says to him um, I am Ruth your servant in verse 9 spread your wings over your servant for you are a redeemer and he said may you be blessed of the Lord uh, and, and he um, recognises that, he recognises her as a worthy woman, a virtuous woman, the word is. Um, but there's a catch. We're going to find out how that catch gets resolved in the next chapter. There's actually a person who is a closer relative of Elimelech's, who um, has the first right of redemption. And that has to be resolved. So uh, chapter two, uh, chapter three, end of chapter three, we're left hanging. <laughs> but Naomi's hopeful. <laughs> Naomi has a hint of something that God is doing. Naomi's been brought out of a place of bitterness and sorrow to a place where she can glimpse that God is at work, I believe, that God is doing something and he's going to do something. And so she says, wait, I love that, wait, my daughter, until you learn. Sometimes we need to have the initiative at the beginning of the chapter, Naomi had sort of figured out the plan. <laughs> And Ruth took the initiative. And there's a place for us to do that. Even when we get it wrong. I remember once, uh, many years ago, when I was um, 
uh, at university uh, with a Christian ministry there. Uh, there were people that complained about some of the things that were happening. And um, one wise man uh, said to me, and these were Christians that were complaining about what the Christians were doing, and, and he made this comment um, that um, I'm happier... Um, I'm happier to be doing, no, the thing that I'm doing is better than the thing you're not doing, something like that. I haven't got it quite right. God wants us to step out in faith. Naomi and Ruth stepped out in faith. But then at the end of the chapter, there comes a time when wait. (laughs) You have to wait. It's a hard thing to do. God doesn't always work out his purposes in the time that we want. I mean, this was resolved very quickly to their blessing. It may not have been. It may have taken longer. But um, that's where they finish. And, and next week we're going to actually talk about Tim Patrick. Um, that last chapter and I'm told Ruth is his favourite book so it sounds like it will be well worthwhile hearing. So what's been happening here? Okay, we've seen that God is writing a story. He started the story at creation. Well actually that's the part that we know. And part of that story involved the fall, the corruption of man and then the story continues on and he ultimately comes to the cross and our redemption and our salvation. Death turns to life and to heaven itself. And Ruth is a little page in that story, in that unfolding drama of redemption that the Lord is writing. But Ruth had choices to make, just as we have choices to make. And I want to finish off just by turning, and if you have your Bible, turn to Proverbs 31. Ruth had choices to make, and we have choices to make. And I believe, I don't know how it works exactly, but I believe that in God's story we can choose to participate or we can choose to resist. We can experience the blessing of what God has for me in his story, or we can face the curse and the condemnation. It was very plain right at the end of Moses' days when he spoke in the book of Deuteronomy, the children of Israel. He said, look, I'm setting all this before you, for your blessing, for your good. But you choose. You can choose either death or you could choose life. Ruth could have chosen death or she could have chosen life. She could have chosen to trust and to obey God or she could have chosen to continue in... um, a state 
of rebellion against God. Naomi could have chosen to continue in a state of bitterness. But she came to a place where she was going to participate in God's story. Proverbs 31, I think, describes Ruth. (laughs) This is why God used her the way he did. Now, if there wasn't a Ruth, he still would have worked out his purposes. But this was Ruth's opportunity to participate with God. How does a person participate with God? Verse 10, an excellent wife or an excellent woman, who can find she is far more precious than jewels? Have a look at some of these characteristics. The heart of her husband trusts in her. And verse 12, she does him good, not harm. This was Ruth. She was trustworthy. She was faithful. She she was someone in which Naomi could be confident, (laughs) would do what she needed to do and be concerned for the needs of not only her but Naomi. (laughs) She works willingly with willing hands. She started in the early morning right through to the late evening. And then it talks about the woman, how she rises in verse 15, rises while it's night and provides food for her household. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. In verse 20, she opens her hands to the poor. She's generous and gracious. This can apply to men too, by the way. (laughs) A generous spirit. She got the grain not just for herself, but for this mother-in-law of hers. Strength and dignity, it says in verse 25, are her clothing. She laughs at the time of come. I love verse 26. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Ruth was a compassionate person. She was a kind person. She was a kind person. She looks well to the ways of her household. Well, she looked well to the ways of Naomi. Mm -hmm. Of course, we know how it ends in verse 29. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Why? Well, charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. It fades, by the way, as you get older. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Ruth feared God and she was praised. Our character and life as well enables us to participate with God or not to do so. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. He has a book for each of us of good that he wants us to walk in. He has a purpose for each one. It's not the same as Ruth's. It's not the same as David's. Your purpose is not the same as my purpose. He's written a separate book 
but it's all part of his story of his unfolding drama of redemption. And he wants to use you. With all your failings, with all your inadequacies, God is capable. And one final note on this, one observation. Ruth never saw what we see. Ruth didn't know about her part in the story. Isn't that remarkable? We read it and we sort of think, oh, isn't it wonderful how God used Ruth? Well, Ruth didn't know how God used Ruth. I mean, she just got married to Boaz. Well, great. Then she had to run a family and she had a child, Obed. Don't know if she was alive when David was born. She may have been, but she didn't know what was going to happen. It's the same with you. God has already written things into his story and he's used you. And as we participate with him, we will see (laughs) when we get there in his presence how he has written us into the story. And he's already used you, many of you, for good. He's used you in his story. We just need to participate. Or we can choose not to. We can do that. In his final days, Jesus, looking over Jerusalem, said this. He said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets, stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing I don't know how God manages that. He's God. But we can be unwilling. We can resist God. He's still going to finish his story. (laughs) He's still going to complete the drama of redemption. But the loss will not be his. It will be our own. Or like Ruth, we can say (laughs) that your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we we thank you for the, the story. We've only touched on it briefly and yet we're grateful to know that you are writing your story and it will be a victorious story. You've defeated death and hell and that you've given us a hope and that in Jesus we can experience the blessing of life for all eternity. And we thank you for the way that you've worked that through individuals and how you've worked it through this woman, Ruth. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.